Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Our Old Testament lesson is taken from Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Shaldans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three days, three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Please join me responsively with Psalm 27. Light, space, zest, that's God. So When vandal hordes ride down ready to eat me alive, when besieged, I'm calm as a baby. I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. The perfect getaway, far from the buzz of traffic. I'm headed for his place to offer anthems that will raise the roof. Already singing God's songs. I'm making music to God. 
Listen, God, I'm calling at the top of my lungs. Be good to me. Answer me. When my heart whispers, seek him out, my whole being replied, I'm seeking him. Don't hide from me now. Don't throw me out. Don't abandon me. You've always kept the door open. My father and mother were out of the but God took me in. Point me down your highway, God. Direct me along a well-lighted street. Show my enemies whose side you're on. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Our New Testament is from Philippians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you, even with tears, their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Thank you, Barb. Our gospel lesson is from the Gospel of Luke. And this passage is coming in the midst of many, uh, it was a long series of chapters, probably, I don't know, 11, 12 chapters maybe, of, uh, of Jesus moving around Galilee and he's preaching and teaching, healing, uh, and occasionally eating with Pharisees. Uh, through this, he actually has a fairly cordial relationship uh, with the Pharisees, not the antagonistic one that we see in some other places in scripture. Uh, but he's, he's going around Galilee and doing kind of what we think of Jesus as doing, um, you know, with the disciples and taking care of people, moving from village to village. Uh, and so we don't know where exactly he is in this particular passage. Uh, as he moves from village to village, the writer of Luke doesn't very often say where he actually is, just that he's uh, moving around. So we don't know what village he's in, but we know that he's in Galilee, in that region uh, around the, the Sea of Galilee and to the west, kind of southwest of that. And we know that he's there because it, this passage mentions Herod, uh, and Herod is the king of that area. Uh, and we also know that Jesus is in Jerusalem because we know he's in Galilee, and also because in the passage Jesus says uh, that he's on his way to Jerusalem. Um, so he's not there, but he's somewhere out, uh, out in the countryside of Galilee. Uh, and this is uh, some many chapters after Herod has beheaded John the Baptist. Uh, so he kind of shows up 
there as he beheads John the Baptist, and then he's not mentioned again or doesn't show up again uh, until this passage. And then we see him again at the end of, uh, of Luke, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but at, at this point, we're in chapter 13, uh, Jesus will continue being out in the countryside, hanging out here, and then finally will go to Jerusalem in chapter 19, uh, and that's when he enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, that triumphant entry into Jerusalem that begins Holy Week. He's come there, he knows that he's going to die uh, and come to do the final, final thing that he has been brought here to do. And so let us hear now for how God is speaking to us through these words of Luke's gospel. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. This is an odd passage. I have to admit, there's a part of me this week that was kind of annoyed that whoever put the lectionary together chose this particular text for this Sunday. It's an odd passage, and in many ways it doesn't fit with the surrounding narrative. As I mentioned, Jesus has been out and about in the villages, preaching, teaching, healing, having these encounters with people, eating meals uh, with people. And then this, this strange, just few uh, sentences here that don't have anything to do with what has been going on. Herod shows up all of a sudden and he wants to kill Jesus, even though there's been no mention of Herod yet or no mention that Herod had even heard of anything that Jesus was doing. Uh, He just kind of shows up out of the blue wanting to kill Jesus. Uh, It's just this interruption in the story. And the Herod that it mentions here is not the Herod of Jesus' birth. You remember from the Christmas Eve stories uh, and when the, the Magi come and they talk to King Herod and speak of the baby and then King Herod kills all the babies in uh, in Bethlehem, that was Herod the Great. That was the first king of this area. And if the area that he had, if you think of modern-day Israel, and go a little more to the north, a little more to the east, a little more to the south, that was the area that Herod the Great had. He died uh, a couple years after Jesus was born, about 4 B.C. And after he died, his country was divided up amongst uh, Herod's children. And two of his children were also named Herod, uh, which gets confusing. But Herod Antipas is the one uh, that, was, that ended up with the region of Galilee and uh, Imperia uh, to be king of. And uh, Herod, uh, I think it was Herod Aeschylus, uh, was the other son, Herod. And he had Samaria and Judea, which is where Jerusalem was, 
Galilee is where Nazareth is, where Jesus was born. Uh, and so it's, uh, we're not talking Herod the Great here. We're talking one of Herod's sons that now wants to kill Jesus. Herod the Great tried to kill him as a baby, and now his son trying to kill him for whatever reason we don't, uh, we don't know. And then he shows up again at the end of Luke after Jesus has been arrested and has been on, uh, before Pontius Pilate. Pilate says to Jesus, well, you're a Galilean, so you're actually under the authority of Herod. Uh, and that Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. So you get that story of Jesus going to Herod, uh, and Herod just taunts him, makes fun of him, puts a robe on him, fancy robe, this very sarcastic moment, and gives him back to Pilate. So that's the same uh, Herod that we'll see at the end of uh, Luke, and we'll get there when we get to Palm Sunday. And so anyway, uh, Jesus hears... And it's the Pharisees that tell him. So often he's had this antagonistic relationship with him, but here they warn him. Herod wants to kill you, they say. And Jesus, instead of being concerned, doesn't really acts like he doesn't care. Like, eh, that's fine. He tells the Pharisees, you go tell that fox. That's a very insulting term to call the king a fox. The fox was a dirty, unclean animal. King should be called a, a lion. That was a proper animal for a king. And Jesus says, you go tell that fox. Basically, tell him I'm busy. Tell him I have too much going on. I don't have time for you to kill me. I can't get out of my schedule long enough for this to happen because I have some things to do. You go tell him that. And tell him also, uh, and this could be a reference to his crucifixion here tell him i'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow and on the third day i finish my work and then i have to leave and then what might be the source of jesus's confidence he also says tell uh, tell him this that it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of jerusalem maybe jesus knows he's safe because he's not in jerusalem He's saying to Herod, you don't have the power to kill me. Only the people in Jerusalem can do that. Only Jerusalem gets to kill the prophets. And only Jerusalem does. And then he laments that city. That city that kills those who are sent to it. And it is Lent, so let's ask, we can ask this question. How many prophets over the last couple thousand years since Jesus' time, how many prophets have we killed? Or if not literally killed, how many have we ignored, pushed off to the margins, told to be quiet, not given any of our attention or our time to? You know, prophets have the job of making us uncomfortable because it's their job to point out our faults point out the places where we are not in alignment with God's will, where our, our centers of truth are not aligned with God's center of truth. 
That's the job of the prophet, to point to God, to say this is, is the way, and to say that we're not you know, on that path, and we need to change to get back on that path to be going over to God. And this could be the prophets that come to talk about sinfulness uh, and straying from God, straying from God's will, but also the prophets that have come to warn us of environmental change or the prophets that have come to say women should have equal rights as men or that gays and lesbians should have equal rights are the prophets that come to us that challenge our thinking, challenge our way of being, challenge us to include more people, to be more godly, to live more in God's kingdom. You know, we are citizens of heaven. The prophets challenge us to live more into that citizenship. And so Jesus laments Jerusalem as being the city that kills the prophets. And stones those who are sent to it. And then he also has, he follows it with this moment of incredible tenderness. A beautiful tenderness. He's lamenting the city. And then shows why he laments. You don't lament over something that you don't love. Or that you don't care about. If you didn't care for it, you wouldn't lament its existence. Or its non-existence. Jesus cares deeply for Jerusalem, and he says how often he has desired to gather her children as a mother hen gathers her brood under her wings. A beautiful image, a very motherly image. Total protection, this all-embracing love to fully protect and, and have the people uh, to completely enclose Jerusalem with his protective love the protective love of a mother hen the love that a hen has for her chicks for her brood but then Jesus laments again he says but you have not been willing I have often wanted to bring you under my wings but you haven't wanted to you've been unwilling You have not wanted that love. You may have said that you wanted it. You may have prayed loudly uh, and gone on and on about how much you want the love, but your actions have said otherwise. You haven't acted that way. You don't want to accept my love unless I give it to you on your terms. You have a specific way that you're willing to accept my love, and it doesn't work that way. My love comes my way. God's way. And there's a Lenten message in that. Something to think about. These 40 days of repentance and self-evaluation on our journey to Easter. Ask where? When? Uh, In what ways, if ever, uh, are you or I unwilling to allow ourselves to be fully under Jesus' wings? Where have we been, when, why have we been unwilling to fully trust in Christ's love? Protective love, like that mother hen with a brood under her wings. What do we reject hearing, or what do we reject being? What conditions are we putting on this that we want to have met first, that may stop us from 
fully knowing this kind of love? What makes us act like Jerusalem? And what do we need to do to be otherwise? What do we need to do to find the faith to be willing to let Jesus do what he has so long desired to do? What ought we change in ourselves to be willing to be gathered as a brood? And how do we as Plymouth, as a congregation, as God's gathered people, how do we as a church reject or deny or refuse to live fully under Jesus by not trusting enough or not putting our hope in Jesus? All good things to think about during Lent and during the, uh, the rest of the year. So good questions for all times on our faith journey. And then Jesus ends uh, this lament. He says, see, your house is left to you. And I think what he's saying here is, is that they, he's, he's looking at Jerusalem and lamenting and saying, well, they all, they all think that they're in charge, so I'm going to let them be in charge. I will leave their house to them. That's what they want. That's what they'll have. And as we know, it's going to be to their own detriment and to their own destruction and to their own failure, at least for many of them. And one of our biggest mistakes or biggest sins, if you want to use that word, is to think that we're in charge, to think that it's up to us to decide how things ought to be or to get things done or, or to, uh, you know, to be sovereign over ourselves. But it's not. We're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of God's realm. And then Jesus offers his final words. He says, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And as I mentioned, Jesus does not go to Jerusalem throughout the rest of the gospel until uh, Palm Sunday, that final week of his life, uh, Holy Week. Finally enters on Palm Sunday in that triumphal entry with all the palms and the singing and the alleluias. And one thing that is said as he comes in is, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He said, you won't see me, Jerusalem, until you hear this. And that's what's heard as he comes into Jerusalem. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord is said as he comes into the city that he said, O Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her children under her wings. Keep that in your heart. Keep that in your heart through the rest of Lent as you journey toward Easter. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, This is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.